0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Go Help Yourself, a comedy self help podcast to make life suck less. I'm Misty Stinnett, and normally this podcast is co hosted by the one and only Lisa Linky. But guess what, everybody? it's her birthday today. And she was like, peace, goodbye. I don't want to be anywhere near you on my birthday. My gift to myself is being away from you. I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) She's at Disney. She's having an amazing time. So joining me is possibly the most special guest host in the entire world. Everyone. Everyone. Please welcome Sav.
1: Oh my God! I hope your sister's not listening.
0: <laughs> Heather, you're very near and dear to me.
1: <laughs> Heather, you were my most special guest to get to listen to.
0: Thank you so much. Also, Jesse Chapman, we love I'm you, Jesse
1: Chapman. <laughs> You both were fantastic. We love
0: all our guests. hosts. So um, if this is your first time joining everybody, this is Go Help Yourself. It's a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less. Every week, we read and review a popular self-help book. We bring you the highs, the lows, the good, the bad, the diamonds, the dumpster fires <laughs> uh, for your review. And our, our goal is to bring you the highlights of a book and critically think about it so that you, if you love the book, you can read it. It, you can buy it, you can dive deeper in because we could never possibly cover everything.
1: <laughs> Though you have covered a lot of things. Thank <laughs> you
0: so much. um I feel like Sav has a new perspective on oh, being yeah. a, a host already. Uh, but if you don't like what you're hearing, you're welcome. We've saved you time <laughs> and money, and you can still shoot your friends down at parties when they're like, Have you read You're a Badass by Jen Sincero? And even without reading it, you can be like, It's problematic, and here's why. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, What I'm realizing now is that reading a self-help book through this analytical lens, um, I also have been connecting it to so many others that we've read. So even just by, you know, that you've read, that's the funny thing I say I've read, but really you've read. Um, And so just through I guess hearing the cumulative what fifty plus episodes that we've done, I was able to draw so many interesting connections.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. Isn't it interesting how yeah. they all sort of work together to inform one another as we all on this journey are expanding our toolkits.
1: Totally together, yeah. and then just getting to decide for me as now a, a listener and and someone who helps you produce it, um, you know which seeing which books I actually want to dive in and read the full thing. And, and one of the biggest ones for me was. Um, the one about the upside of your dark side.
0: I That one I've been recommending to everybody that I, I can and I still haven't read it myself yet. Oh it was my just, god, it, that was Lisa's book?
1: <laughs> yeah. Wow. It was
0: just what Lisa presented and I was like, this is so powerful.
1: Isn't that crazy though that it affected us both so much and then yeah. I went and read it and and loved it. So yeah. um, I just love that about this show is and, that you and, get to hear so many different ways of thinking and then kind of make your own pick as to where you invest your time.
0: Thank you, Sav. Yeah. And um, yeah, and I, I have haven't read that book myself. I just listened to Lisa's presentation, and I still sound like a badass going around, like, <laughs> quoting it. Like, well, actually, in the upside of your yeah, dark side, yeah. it says the dark emotions give I you know. lots of information. Right. Um, but for anybody who uh, needs or wants a reminder, our longtime loyal listeners already know this. Sav is our audio producer, our sound engineer. He's why the podcast sounds amazing and crystal clear. Um, he edits out all of our coughs and our sneezes, and he is, he's is he been with us since day one. I think this is episode, like, 117 oh my that God. we're recording. Something like that, which is nuts. Um, so... Sav is going to present a book today. Yeah. And I'm so excited. And we should just take a second to say, Happy birthday, Lisa.
1: Oh my gosh, Lisa, happy birthday. I hope that you're having a wonderful, relaxing time.
0: Yeah. And we love you. And to Linda Linky, who I know is listening to this episode, thank you for bringing Lisa into the world. She's killer. Oh my gosh. You did yes. a great job.
1: Yeah. But also, her mother is killer as well. We yeah. got to meet her. Yeah. So it makes sense. The fruit it- doesn't fall. Far it from the does tree.
0: make sense. And actually, um uh by by the kindness of my friend Christian, who works on Will and Grace, I got to attend a Will and Grace taping with Linda and Lisa. Oh
1: my god. Yeah, and they what did old
0: I Love Lucy sketches. They recreated them for that episode. So I got to sit next to like I was sandwiched between Linda and Lisa oh. as um, Deborah Messing uh was recording the the old chocolate sketch. As I love Lucy. It was unbelievable. So anyway, happy birthday, Lise. We love you. We're so (laughs) glad you were born. And for anybody listening, um, if you want to wish Lisa a happy birthday, her Instagram is at itslinky, I-T-S-L-I-N-K-E. And we are at Go Help Yourself Podcast on Instagram as well. Awesome. So, Sav.
1: Oh, my gosh. What
0: are you bringing us today?
1: I am bringing you guys all about love. By Bell Hooks.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So really quickly, um, I want to acknowledge a previous guest. Dr. Nikita Hamilton, PhD, the first time I really sat down with Nikita one-on-one, she was like, oh, you have a podcast, You Should Read, All About Love, by Bell Hooks. And we had Nikita on a mini-sode a while back, and she's just such a killer guest. She's a writer um, here in Hollywood, a TV writer, and she has her PhD, Um, I'm going to butcher this, but it's in like representation and entertainment. Um, Anyway, she recommended this book. I started reading this book, and when you and I emailed each other and were like, Hey, so what book do you want to present on the podcast? You were like, Oh, all about love. And I was like, I'm putting it down. Oh my gosh.
1: That was very gracious of you. She was already 30 pages in. So Thir-
0: listen, and it was like a book book. <laughs> and you know how I feel about book books. Oh, I yeah. like audiobooks. Right. Um but there is no audiobook for this, There's right? There's
1: no audiobooks. So um, this book is available hardcover, 1383, paperback is ten nineteen, Kindle is ten ninety-nine, but there is no audiobook, but you can get it on Overdrive for free.
0: It's interesting. I bet she would read a killer audiobook.
1: I can only imagine. Yeah. I, I wonder actually if I'm sure some of her others, like Feminism is for Everybody, which is one of the reasons I wanted to read another Bell Hooks book, um, is that she wrote this fantastic. Um, You know, one of the just the best examples of intersectional feminism um, in literature. And I remember reading that book and it opened my eyes just about how we all need to be so invested in feminism, um, you know, no matter what background you come from. I love that. uh, Yeah. And just talking about feminism, too, from a place of like looking at power structures and how power structures affect us all in, in so many different ways. And so we all need to do the equal work for each other of dismantling those.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, we're yeah. going to cover that book, yes, right? for sure. It's, I mean, Bell Hooks is just so important. And I think this doesn't have an audio book because it was published around like 2000?
1: 2001, yeah. 2001? Okay, yeah. great. Um, let me just double check that. Yeah, copyright 2001, um, all about love.
0: Great. And thanks everybody for bearing with me through the sniffles. I'm getting over a cold and there's going to be lots of sniffs and coughs. In. <laughs> That's all
1: good. <laughs> The coughs are welcome Yeah.
0: So can you tell us a little bit about the author?
1: Yeah. So um, Bell Hooks uh, is a cultural critic, feminist theorist, and writer celebrated as one of our... This is from the back of the book, by the way. Love (laughs) it. Love it. Uh, Celebrated as one of our nation's leading public intellectuals by the Atlantic Monthly, as well as uh, Utney Reader's 100 Visionaries Who Could Change Your Life, oh. um, which is which is true. She can change your life. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, she is a char- charismatic speaker who divides her time amongst teaching, writing, and lecturing around the world. Previously, a professor at the English Department at Yale University and Oberlin College. She has more than 17 books, including All About Love.
0: Wow.
1: And uh, just uh, full disclosure, All About Love is actually part of a trilogy, um, which I've only read the first one. But um, the other two books are Communion, The Female Search for Love, and Salvation, Black People in Love. So So, is
0: this the first in the trilogy?
1: This is the first in the trilogy. Okay, great. Um, Obviously, it's speaking to the most universal audience. I think the other two are geared specifically... Um, given that she is a, a female black writer, just speaking to those communities individually, but I can imagine knowing how intersectional she is that there's fabulous information for everyone to learn. I
0: bet. And that's interesting. I've never heard of um an, I don't hear a lot about nonfiction trilogies. Yeah. You I know? know, like me when either. I think a trilogy, yeah. I think like The Lord, Lord of, of the, the Rings of course, or like yeah. you know, Harry Potter's a seven part book right, series, right. you know. I'm not thinking like Oh, this, is, but when you think about it, it is so complex that yeah. you probably do need a ton of books oh on the same God. subject from yes. different angles. Yes. That's great.
1: So, yeah, so maybe those will be uh, soon on my reading list. Yeah. Well. And the yeah. cover
0: is really pretty, everybody. It's just this beautiful red color it's got in sort of italic letters all about love it's really pretty it would look really nice on anybody's bookshelf definitely
1: um yeah and in terms of the page count it's uh coming in at 237 so it's it's not not terribly long
0: no it's not no
1: and it felt like uh uh, there was a lot of repetition within it so it did feel like um it could have been cut down a little bit but okay But overall, I mean, she could keep writing forever and I would still read it because she has so much, so many interesting things to say.
0: Great. And did you feel like her prose were really easy to read or was it sort of an Eckhart Tolle situation, like one long run on sentence? It's
1: not an Eckhart Tolle situation. I think she just wants to look at whatever she's saying, like through such nuance that she kind of like mulls over it the same concept in like 20 different ways.
0: Sure. I get and respect that. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Me too. (laughs) I feel like that's how I write. Yeah. It's
1: very thorough. But as a reader, sometimes you can be like, one. Once, you re- once that clicks and the concept clicks, or if it's something that you in your life have already experienced, and you're like, okay, I get that. Great. Um, y- you know, after a while, you're like, okay, I'm ready to move on.
0: Yeah. And I feel like this book is really appropriate because... Valentine's Day is this week. Yeah. We're coming up, oh everybody, gosh. like whether we want to or not, we're like thinking about love. It's a
1: time to take stock of your love life. And uh, I know, I know I for better or worse. the
0: manufacturedness yeah. of Valentine's Day, but it, there it is in your face and you're kind of confronted with like, okay, am I on my own? Am I partnered? Am I self-partnered? Right. Thank you, Emma Watson. Uh-huh. Am I in a polyamorous relationship? You know, like right. ethical non monogamy like what does that look like? What does love look like?
1: Um, that should be the definition of Valentine's Day. Unfortunately, it's not. I think it really just celebrates monogamous love. Yeah, um, heteronormative, love...
0: monogamous love, and you have to buy flowers and going right. to be a basic bitch.
1: But what you just said is perfect, and that should really be the reason that we have <laughs> Valentine's Day, celebrating the diverse kinds of relationships you can have in your life. And actually, that's what this book does. Great. Um, and, you know, I will admit, um, when I first approached this book, I was quite hesitant Um, as a queer person, I think that love is one of the categories or like topics in life where I have often have felt the most excluded. I bet. Um, but given that this is bell hooks and I knew it would be intersectional, and and given she wrote this in two thousand one, and um, you know, years before marriage equality even passed, yeah. and uh, you know that's not forgiving. People before two thousand one should have all been fully supportive and intersectional. But you know, I applaud her for um, throughout the book. She is. There are times when she's a little bit overly gendered and where it's like more about just straight couples, but Mm -hmm. overall she's really inclusive. So,
0: oh, good. Okay. That's so interesting. That's another reason I'm so excited to have your perspective on this book because like I'm sitting here as like a straight female. Yeah. yeah. You know, so it's like that's how I identify. So, like, what's it like when we approach this book from two different angles?
1: Well, just off the bat, I think the fact that she really talks about love as such an all-encompassing uh sort of this this ethic that should drive our whole lives and our interactions not just in a romantic partnership which she does get to but also in our community um in our spirituality in our interconnectedness to friends and and in our and inter- in, our, in our relationship with ourselves as well
0: i love it already yeah so oh my it's really
1: beautiful and i was really resistant again as a queer person reading a book about love i was ready to just like hate this and feel so not connected with it. And I think the more and more I read it, the more she disarmed me and the more that I just really took to what she was saying.
0: That's fascinating. Yeah. I love, okay. I can't wait. Yeah. I'm chomping at the bit.
1: So, um, there is kind of, um, uh, uh I want to kind of give a quote that's from later in the book, but I think that it kind of summarizes, uh, where we're going to get to. Awesome. Um, so, She writes, In the last years, I have talked a lot about love. My topic has been true love. It all started when I began to speak my heart's desire to say to friends, lecture audiences, folks sitting next to me on buses and planes and in restaurants that I was looking for true love. Cynically, almost all my listeners would let me know that I was looking for a myth. The few who still believe in true love offered their deep conviction that you can't look for it, that if it's meant for you, it will just happen. Not only do I believe wholeheartedly that true love exists, I embrace the idea that its occurrence is a mystery, that it happens without any effort of human will. And if that's the case, then it will happen whether we look for it or not. But we do not lose love by looking for it. Indeed, those among us who have been hurt, disappointed, disillusioned must open our hearts if we want love to enter in. The act of opening is a way of seeking love.
0: Wow. yeah, That's kind. That's like liberating and really scary.
1: It is.
0: Because it's like, oh, it's out of your control. It's going to happen when it happens. You can't, you know, like whether right. you look for it or not. But it's also liberating where it's like, okay, so if I become a hermit and live on my couch, maybe the delivery guy who comes in with that third pizza of the night, <laughs> yeah, it's going to happen.
1: Right. Well, I think also what's interesting, and after reading the book, I kind of glean that this is what she's saying is that love is always there. So it's not so much about looking... For it, but it's about opening yourself up to it.
0: Oh, that's really beautiful. Yeah. That's a really beautiful idea.
1: Yeah, and this comes actually from the romance chapter, but it, I think it applies... To the whole book
0: i really want to know what she has to say about ghosting <laughs> oh
1: my god i would she really needs to do an updated version where she talks to
0: <laughs> like vulnerability and seeking love yeah people in who are the, dating now yeah the era of oh, online, dating. online
1: dating and anyway everything happening through texting yeah. and, oh god. but that's
0: such a romantic notion and i would like to think that it's there but i think it does predicate um, an assumption that there's like a divine plan,
1: right? You know, mm-hmm. or
0: like some sort of per, like orchestration of right. fate. Yeah, you know. I wonder if this resonates as much for atheists or you know people who who are like, oh no, it's just like scientific random chance that we're all here, right? And right. existing.
1: Yeah, and I think that to that point, she would say that. Um, Again, it's what she kind of gets at, and I don't want to give too much away. Sure, sure, but sure. it's just like if we can ground ourselves and tune ourselves into looking for love and opening ourselves up to it, that um, it can start to guide all of our interactions, and we can kind of find it everywhere that we go.
0: That's really nice. Yeah, I, I like it's almost like confirmation bias in the most beautiful way. <laughs> it
1: really is. If
0: you're looking for love everywhere, you're gonna find it in right. some places. Yes, exactly. And that's a nice way to filter. It is. Your interactions through it life. It is. isn't,
1: and, and it actually, she gets to that in, in um, one of the chapters. She gets to that idea that if you lead with this love ethic, um, you'll find love in more places oh in your life. Oh, my God. I love it. So um, I want to start with her dedication uh, at the top. Um, and I'm going to just read this because it's so saucy.
0: Sav has the biggest smile on his face right so, now.
1: <laughs> this is her dedication. The first love letter I ever wrote was sent to you just as this book was written to talk to you. Anthony, you have always been my most intimate listener. I will love you always. In the Song of Solomon, there is a passage that reads, I found him whom my soul loves. I held him and I would not let him go. To holding on, to knowing again that moment of rapture, of recognition where we can face one another as we really are, stripped of artifice and pretense, naked and not ashamed.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. So it's
1: a beautiful thought, and I'm just like, ooh, who is this Anthony? Like,
0: like hi, do, Anthony. We, yeah, where do I
1: find this He's in my life? Look,
0: I'm not going to lie, he sounds hot. He
1: does, yeah. <laughs> but he's hot because he's, like, clearly open to, like, being vulnerable and communicative. Hot. It's so hot. So the way that she organizes this is um, she has headers, which are these sort of terms, these words that will guide the chapter, and then um, these subheaders of how they relate to love. So we have introduction grace touched by love um first chapter clarity give words of love which is about forming a definition around love mm. um second chapter is justice childhood love lessons which is kind of how you know our childhood is our first place of learning lessons about
0: love sure good and bad
1: yes good terrible and, bad. and wonderful exactly yeah. um the third one is honesty be true to love so that's just talking about how love requires honesty as mm-hmm. a, a, one of the bases mm-hmm. um Four is commitment. Let love be love in me. And that was interesting because when she said commitment, I thought it was going to be to another person. But this is the chapter where she talks about self-esteem and kind of loving yourself as the basis.
0: Oh, I got to read that chapter. <laughs> yeah. And this was where I
1: really started to trust her because I was like, this is a really interesting progression. She's not just she's – she's really taking you through like kind of the layers of like where love – the definition of love, how you learn about it in your early childhood and then kind of like letting love stem from yourself – And into the next chapter, which is spirituality, where this is she starts to talk about love in terms of like your greater interconnectedness. So kind of jumping from loving yourself to then also recognizing on the other side that, you know, you have to have a love for all. And there's this deep interconnectedness. Um, Six, she talks about values. So this is where um, she talks about the love ethic, which is kind of how you can guide your life in love and always kind of come back to love as that guiding principle. I love that. Um, seven is greed, um, where she talks about, I mean, this one, it's pretty simple takeaway, but she just goes into depth explaining about how greed is incompatible with love.
0: Interesting. Um,
1: yeah, and I think it's interesting because I, I know nowadays, I think in a good way, we're much more aware where, like, you can't um, expect to, like, give, your, give too much up of yourself in a loving relationship. But I think she's really, there's a balance there. She's like... You know, it's about having your needs met and having the other person's needs met.
0: Yeah, and Um, vulnerability. How do you sort of, like, put yourself on the line?
1: Yeah, totally. uh, Yeah. Um, Yeah, and she gets to that in a couple chapters. But the next chapter is community, um, which is talking about... Less the spiritual interconnectedness of us and more the practical interconnectedness of just living within a community.
0: Oh, I like that.
1: I knew you would love that. Is that is I actually it, wrote like in that a chapter. To,
0: did you really?
1: <laughs> I was like, Missy's going to love this one.
0: <laughs> you know I love a how-to. Totally. You know I love a like A, B, and C steps to take.
1: Yes. Yeah. And I know that you've said many times that, you know, one of your focuses— um, recently has been trying to foster community. Oh,
0: my God. It's like the new pillar of my identity and, like, what makes my life feel whole.
1: Which I love, and it's something that's so lacking, I think, in our—especially living in a big city, you can often get lost with a sense of there's no community. Yes,
0: and by the way, I want to touch really quickly um, on—I was chatting with a listener on Instagram, and we were just going back and forth. TJ used this term, hole-making. So TJ takes a glass-blowing internship. Oh, that they said was whole making Mm. and that really resonated with me. And I love that term of, of, you know, because there's like soul sucking and then there's whole making, you know, not to set up a dichotomy, but community for me is whole making. It makes me feel whole. That's wonderful. Yeah. 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 So thank you, TJ for that term.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Uh, so the next, um, she moves from community into mutuality. Okay. Um, Uh, This is kind of just talking about how it requires two parties to be mutually ready for for love.
0: Oh, God. That just made my stomach get so tight.
1: Yeah, I know. (laughs) I know.
0: You know what this already sounds like? The opposite of Steve Harvey's Act Like a Lady Think oh, Like a God. Man. Yes. which came out in early January.
1: Which is funny because literally in the introduction which I'm just about to get into, um a big part of the introduction is her talking about why how why she felt compelled as a woman to write about love. So we'll get into that. And I think it's a Bell really Bell
0: Hooks, thank you. Thank we you. just want to say thank you. Yeah. And Steve Harvey Burn all your books. <laughs> <laughs> oh Thank my you. God.
1: Um, so the next, she finally on chapter 10 gets into romance. Hey. Yeah. And, um, uh, again, they're really interesting. I thought that was going to be my least favorite. I was ready to be like, F this. Yeah, you were. And she just presents it lo- in a lovely way. So, And
0: nobody can see me, but when Sav said romance, I started doing a sexy dance oh, with my yeah. shoulders. I'm rolling them. <laughs> I like to think it looks sexy. I have a feeling from the look on Sav's face, it's not so cute. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's, it's endearing. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly what I want to hear.
1: <laughs> it's great. It's great.
0: Moving on. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> What's interesting is that she builds us up to romance and I'm like, okay, this is is this the point of arrival? But I love actually she does not end there because that's really it's just one component of our lo- our loving lives.
0: Thank you. Um,
1: an important one, but one component. And so it was so interesting. The next turn she takes is loss, um, loving into life and death. And I was oh. so taken aback by this. It's like she pulls the rug out from under you. And um, I was kind of mad about it at first. But um, she's able to um, fold that into the conversation nicely.
0: That's fa- I'm going to yeah, jump in. That's fascinating. I was actually... I lost someone this last week, and it's been a really hard week. And I I uh, went to possibly, you know, the most devastating funeral oh. that I've ever witnessed on Sunday. And um, I was talking with someone about love and loss. Yeah. And I realized there's—and this is going to sound obvious to a lot of you, but it felt like a big moment in the moment. There is no loss without love. Yeah. And— it almost feels like there's no love without loss because if you're sitting here, you're going, I love this person. This is my spouse or my partner or my sister or right. my friend. I think buzzing in the background is this idea that, like, one day it will be gone. Oh, my god! You know, yeah. whether it's divorce, death, a move, whatever. Like, right. I wonder – and I wonder if she answers this or asks this question. Can we ever mm-hmm. truly have love without loss? Yeah. Or can we have – I, I don't think you can have loss without love because it's not a loss. Yeah. You know? Um,
1: I, that's so beautiful. And I'm so sorry for the, the loss that you experienced. Thank you. Yeah, thank yeah, you. of course. Thank you. And um, I think that she definitely would agree. And I'm really excited um, to get to that chapter because it was probably the one that struck me to the core. And I, I think, bet. um, I mean, she talks about how um, death is something that we just don't like to talk about. Yeah. Um, and... So uh, she really, though, tackles it and um, yeah. and talks about what you're saying, which is how love is, I think, the appropriate response, yeah. and and actually lives in tandem with it in a, in that sort of way that you were describing.
0: That sounds like wholehearted living. <laughs> it does. and ladies, gentlemen, non-binary folks, mm-hmm. all genders, we are going to cover grief. Soon, like mm. I have been wanting to cover the topic of
1: yeah. grief
0: and loss for a long time, I've just been psyching myself up for it. Right. I think it's time, but we're gonna do it in like a fun, like playful, <laughs> funny way. You're gonna just love a flirty it. Flirty way. We'll be flirty. We're gonna it. make. I'm just trying to survive over here. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, no,
1: I love that. And I'm very excited to hear that.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, so can we dive into the chapters? I'm yeah. so excited.
1: Well, before we do, I'll just quickly, the last two. because Oh, there's, there's two more. Th- this is not a summary of the summary. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But the last two are just healing. Um, we'll get there. And then destiny, which was an interesting one. but huh. Yeah.
0: I wasn't expecting that. Destiny. So okay. get excited for... It's exciting. Destiny. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's Like a fortune telling episode. You have to here. wait to see what your destiny is. Thank you. Um, great. So, your
0: destiny may surprise you. Your
1: death. Right, exactly. So, in this uh, introduction, she talks about the, that there's just this pervasive cynicism about love. Um, I'm afraid, uh, this actually is not her quote. She quotes Harold Kushner, who says, I'm afraid that we may be raising a generation of young people who will be afraid to to grow up with love, afraid to give themselves completely to another person because they will have seen how much it hurts to take the risk of loving and have it not work out. Young, peop- yeah. <laughs> uh, young people are cynical about love. Ultimately, cynicism is the great mask of a disappointed and betrayed heart. Oof. And so true. My I God. think it really rings true. And uh, it's a tough place to start, but I think that, I mean, you look around today and... I think that there is just in our music, in our media, in in, in the way that we give advice, I think there is a, maybe a, a merited cynicism about love or the kind of quote unquote love that we've received or have been taught. Yes. Um, and so I guess on the bright side, it could be that we're in a moment of reexamining love. Um, I think so. I, and I think that's a really good thing. But also I think this rightly points out that we can't be afraid of it.
0: Yeah, we can't be afraid of it. And then it's like, how much tolerance do you have when you go out there and you get, like... Right. It's like walking out into a hurricane sometimes. It feels like oh, you're walking out naked in a hurricane. Yes. And, like, a tree blows by and hits you in the face, and debris is constantly pummeling you, and you're getting all these scratches that are taking longer to heal... Right, right. Then before you get new scratches, exactly, you know? Exactly, yeah. No, so it's, it's true. It's like, what is your tolerance?
1: Yeah, it really is. Um, and so she she has, I think, a a response to that that emerges throughout the book. But um, so then she goes into how, um, you know, this is Bell Hooks again speaking as I this not me, (laughs) I only wish I'm sure her voice is so beautiful and powerful. But um, as I poured over nonfiction books on the subject of love, I was surprised to find that the vast majority of the revered books were ones written primarily by men. Mm-hmm. and I definitely think that's true. Um, she then gets into men theorize about love, but women are often more loves. She kind of gets into this gender back and forth, men-women conversation, which I think is less helpful, but I think that... Um, do
0: you feel like if you ignored the gendered part of it, it's applicable to everyone, or do you feel like not really?
1: Um, she's She gets into... What's interesting is she gets into, like, that men and women uh, have different places of love and I think that um, okay so I'll read this because I think that uh, full disclosure like as someone who's queer I just feel like um, when we draw sharp dichotomies between men and women we're, we're excluding huge amounts of people who don't fall into whatever that said um, quote unquote truism is
0: agreed and I also think that we all have and this is just you know I think there's more than just the two but I think there's masculine and feminine qualities and energy in, in all everyone. of us. Yeah, for sure. And gray areas in between. Yeah, so actually,
1: um, you know, and even with masculine and feminine, I think, there, you know, there's a struggle there because it even then genders immediately or, or exactly. creates a sex attached to that concept. So Exactly. I, you know, but I think in general, yeah, um, as someone who's queer and often identifies with the feminine perspective, I think that... Um, I become very comfortable with just like when I watch a movie. I'm eighty five percent of the time I'm identifying with a female character. Like when I you know, I think about the mentors in my life, I think about the friends. And there's definitely for me as someone who's very feminine and yet a male. Um, I think that I often just am very good at substituting um, you know, sure. my perspective um, when 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 applicable.
0: but it sounds like work.
1: It's work for sure. It's work, yeah. And so you that's you have to why, filter
0: so, everything. You have to sort of like readjust. For to whatever sure, whatever you're and watching. maybe that's yeah. why I'm
1: hesitant to read some of these more gendered assumptions because uh, you know I'm uh, afraid that they affirm things that are just not true. Sure. Um, yeah. But anyway, I think the the important thing here is that she realized that there was a huge lack of feminine female writing on love. Yeah. And um, I think what she points out, which is the big difference between, is that. There's, like, the masculine version of love where you learn to receive it through, like, you know, versus the feminine version where you learn to give it. Um,
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah. And I think she talks about how, um, one, that's bullshit, which I love. She gets into that, that's bullshit. Thank you. But I think that um, she very rightly shows that, like, you can't just have one perspective. You You need people coming from both sides of that. I think also breaking that whole, that there are two opposing sides of love, breaking down that notion entirely.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. As you say that, I realize it is difficult for me to receive love, but I have no problem giving love as someone who identifies as a woman. Yeah, yeah. Um, But wouldn't it be nice if we could all learn both sides and be equally comfortable?
1: 100%. Right? Because, like,
0: men aren't always taught you know straight heteronormative sure, men yeah. to to give love and be nurturing for and we sure. live and as Brene Brown talks about like we live in a, a societal structure that yeah. doesn't make that super acceptable doesn't no. but then it's like okay so if we make that unacceptable for that gender right then you know the female gender or whoever identifies mm-hmm, as that mm-hmm. is missing out on receiving that and vice for versa sure, like, yeah, yeah.
1: No, it's it's so true, and I think um, <clears throat> I actually really identify with that too. Where I just primarily being more of a nurturing person, um, I always was way too giving of myself in my early yeah. relationships, um, yeah. and I had to learn to respect myself as well. And I think that uh, so I I may I may be an exception with for men, but. Um, but I think it. what is true is that the societal things that we're taught are that men should be one way and women should be another way. That men should be receiving love and women should be giving it. But we're human. But we're humans. Uh, exactly. And I think <laughs> that at the end of the day, sh- she ultimately moves to a place that, like, w- love cannot be rooted in these power structures. Yeah,
0: these arbitrary these, sort these, of what's your... Genitalia, or exactly. how do you identify? Yeah. And that um, determines.
1: Right. I think she, what she, uh, not to jump ahead, but she gets to a place where love is more about being vulnerable and yourself. And then from that place of being yourself, meeting someone where you can both, yeah. one, um, see the other person and yourself as you truly are, and then nurture each other's growth. Oh. And I love that because where she gets is this non gendered place where it's like we all need the same kind of love we all are capable of giving the same kind of love
0: yeah and you want to feel like it's safe to give it exactly and you're able to to receive it it. yeah
1: um
0: so i'm getting a sense sav that this is such an incredible book and already given the like conversations that are blossoming off of it i feel like this could be a two-parter episode yeah I'm down. Are you down? Oh, I'm okay, so down. everybody yeah. listening. I this is love, okay? We can't cover <laughs> love in one episode, which I should have known.
1: <laughs> right, right. After all love is our destiny, so
0: um, snaps. Hello. Uh, I keep trying to do that clickbaity thing Lisa does, where she's like, "What is your destiny?" Right. The answer me. surprise you. Oh God!
1: And you know what? I gave it away because at the beginning I was like, "Oh, we're gonna do like a sort of tarot card, see what your destiny is." Spoiler alert: It's love.
0: Oh, it's oh, <laughs> it's love. Um, yeah. So if it's cool with all of you, we're gonna break this into a two parter so we can actually dive in. So wonderful, great.
1: Now we get into the first chapter, which is clarity, um, give love words. Um, And she starts with a Diane Ackerman quote. As a society, we are embarrassed by love. We treat it as if it were an obscenity. We reluctantly admit to it. Even saying the words make us stumble and blush. Love is the most important thing in our lives, a passion for which we would fight or die, and yet we're reluctant to linger over its names. Without a supple vocabulary, we can't even talk or think about it directly.
0: Oh, my God.
1: So what I love about that is it it basically it informs this next chapter, which is that we need to create a definition for love.
0: And what's her definition for love?
1: So her definition for love. Well, she starts out by saying the dictionary definition of love, which is um, and these often tend to emphasize romantic love. Um, So it's something profoundly tender, uh, passionate affection for another person, especially when based on sexual
0: attraction. Oh, that's interesting.
1: Yeah. So,
0: especially when I don't know, I would say the deepest, some of the deepest love in my life right now is familial and platonic.
1: Yes, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Looking and, at you,
0: Jesse Chapman. Yeah. My and, BFF. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and
1: she instead actually found uh, a definition that she takes to more in Scott Peck's classic self-help book, *The Road Less Traveled*. Okay. Is that something that, we need, that needs to be read on the Maybe show? we Maybe. do. The
0: road less traveled. Because
1: I do love this definition. Um, so the road less traveled, first published in 1978, defines love as the will to extend oneself for the purpose of nurturing one's own or another's spiritual growth. Oh. So again, that's the will to extend oneself for the purpose of nurturing one's own or another's spiritual growth.
0: Man, then I've got love down Abundantly. pat
1: <laughs> yeah but to realize that in many ways and i'm so happy to hear that right yeah. is because like uh when you hear it that way you just immediately know where love is in your life right
0: yeah who
1: is nurturing your spiritual growth and how are you nurturing your own spiritual growth
0: yes and it just makes me think this whole podcast is exactly a labor of love oh, it's such we're yeah. here to just try and like further it all and make it easier right, right because we love you everybody listening we love you yeah
1: yeah it's it's true and um as someone who listens to it i can feel it too thanks sam well. um so what's interesting too here is for anyone resistant to the word spiritual i think um that's which, me by the way yeah yeah which is interesting because yes yeah, she's talking about how it's nurturing one's own and another spiritual growth Some folks have difficulty with Peck's definition of love because he uses the word spiritual. He's referring to that dimension of our core reality where mind, body, and spirit are one. An individual does not need to be a believer in religion to embrace the idea that there is an animating principle in the self, a life force, some of it call it it the soul, that when nurtured enhances our capacity to be more fully self-actualized and enables us to engage in a communion with the world around us.
0: Wow. Wow. That might be my favorite definition of spirituality that I've heard so far. Yeah. Holy cow.
1: So it's just, I don't know, when you hear communion, what does that mean to you?
0: You know, I I actually see um, a visualization of like taking a walk and feeling uh, like being really mindful, like smelling flowers and appreciating the breeze on my face and like a ray of sunshine hitting my skin. Like that. that is what communion feels like to me. And that's also like long walks are my church. Yeah, you know I'm not a religious person, right? Um, but it's like that going back to nature and like really appreciating the world around me, and I do feel more connected when I'm doing things that I love and yeah. feeling like I'm living out my life's purpose. Uh, like when I worked a, in a corporate television studio yeah. um, in a gray cubicle <laughs> and got there before the sun came up and left after the sun went down and the world was dark, right. I did not feel as alive huh. or, you know, yeah. or connected. Right. So that really resonates true for me.
1: Uh, yeah. It's definitely, I think, um, interesting to think about communion is this idea, right, of like when two things become one right yeah. in a way yeah, i, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. communion kind of means that and i think that what she's getting at here is that it's a communion of your truest self with the world around you so whether that's another person whether that's your community all these different whether that's the interconnectedness of the human race Wow. Well. the it's it's nurturing that life force so you can be self-actualized and be who you actually are at your core right
0: And feel accepted for being who you are. And then feel accepted
1: and feel um, connected with everything
0: around you. Oh, my God. That sounds really (laughs) exciting. And I think, you know, there are times where for me and I imagine a lot of people listening, that can feel impossible or Mm -hmm. that can feel so far away like being able to be your truest self. Right. Or – Live in a way that expresses your truest self yeah. or even figure out what your truest self is. Right, for sure. You know, walking around the world feeling like, I don't have a passion and I don't know what I like and yeah. I don't know who I am Right, is is just as hard as going, I know exactly who I am and I can't live it out loud yet or I for don't sure. know how or yeah. how do I quit this job and do, you know.
1: Right, right.
0: So it just, it's interesting that it, it's also evoking fear. I know. And it was so interesting.
1: <laughs> um, so interesting how all of us can have this fear and it manifests it comes from different places yeah like for me i mean so much of it comes from shame and just being so afraid uh at a young age that if i showed who i really was because it didn't match with the world around me that i would be ostracized or left without love right and um from my family from my friends from my community and uh, so that shame led me for years to shield, and I'm still unpacking. Here I am turning 30, and I finally feel like I'm doing the work of trying to really get to the core of who I actually am. Yeah, I never really listened to that voice for all these years. right? It's so,
0: scary. Yeah. It's hard to listen to that when everything around you is like, be in a box, be in a box, for be in a box. sure, yeah. And yeah. The,
1: the, the crazy thing, though, is if I'm not my true self, how can I connect with people? How can I truly connect with people around me? It's yeah, just false. You connection. can't. You'll
0: never truly be accepted yeah. if you're not, and that's what Brene Brown says. And Darren Greatly is and like, Daring, yeah. how can you ever experience true acceptance right. if you never really put yourself out there?
1: Yeah, but I would. And then what I love about this book is you know because there there are so many forms of struggle, sadly, in life. But yeah, yeah so anyway, just wrapping up that chapter, um, she says definitions are a vital starting point for the imagination. We cannot imagine uh, what we cannot imagine cannot come into being. A Thank good, you. Right?
0: Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, I love... That's going to be my new quote that I write on my chalkboard in my kitchen. What we cannot imagine cannot come into being.
1: What we cannot imagine cannot come into being. Thank you, Bell Hooks. A much better thought than the one which is that new age one that we hate, which is... Uh, The law of attraction could go fuck itself. Wait,
0: Sav, how old did you say you were turning?
1: 30. I know. (laughs) 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 But I'm so excited. I think that... uh, it feels like, uh, I don't know, an exciting age. And-
0: I have to say, as yeah. someone who's so much older than you, um.
1: <laughs> Misty is 150, actually. Thank you.
0: Um, I just have a really good night cream. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, the 30s are so much better than the 20s.
1: Yeah, I can already feel myself giving less
0: fucks. Oh, my God, I love it! <laughs> the decade of giving less fucks. Okay, yeah. all right.
1: Um. But so, yeah, so she talks about <laughs> definitions are marks uh, that ha- mark our starting point and let us know where we want to end up. So that's why if our, if our destiny is love and if love is nurturing our um, spiritual growth and the spiritual growth of others, then how do we get there?
0: That's really powerful yeah we need and, a
1: map oh yeah
0: oh sorry no i was just saying i love that i'm just gonna keep saying throughout listen i'm just gonna be quiet for the rest of the <laughs> no, episode and anytime anybody's like why is it misty speaking just know that i'm thinking i love that oh my
1: god well all the credit goes to bell hooks yeah this thanks bell hooks the genius of bell hooks so yeah so we need a map to guide us in our journey to love starting with the place where we know what we mean when we speak of love
0: yeah that's so
1: anyway, I get back into so um, that that idea I was talking about struggle and how for me a lot. I mean, the, one of the biggest um, personal struggles in my life comes from that shame. I know for a lot of other queer people, that shame that you feel about your truest self, right? And then yeah. you, the hiding that from the world, creating these two identities, and and then learning as you grow up to to be comfortable and and love and be kind to your truest self. But I think there are so many forms of, as we all know, there are so many forms of struggle in this world and. I think that um, she does a a good job, I don't want to say good is a weird word to use in this case, but of just showing how she really pays respect to how all of us in different ways throughout our life sort of get misdirected away from love. Right. And um, in this first chapter, which is Justice, Childhood Lessons for Love, or Childhood Love Lessons, um, she talks about how it's uh, within our childhood homes that um, these are where the first lessons of love emerge, and so things like abuse uh, can have a really big, horrible effect on the way that people interact of, with love. Of course, yeah. And um, and I thought, um, one for myself, I feel so lucky because um, my parents are very, very kind people, and it. Um, and it, it it's so funny how you know um, we're all on these different journeys. But I'm, I reading this, I was very grateful that my parents. Uh, have uh, both my father and, and actually, I don't know if I can, my dad doesn't listen to this podcast, but in, in reaction to, I think past people in his life, maybe not being the kindest towards him, he, um, turned around and, and was always just the gentlest, kindest person towards me.
0: That's wonderful. And I think it's a, what a way to react to that. And I think
1: it's a testament to what this chapter is about, which is that like that exists in the world. There's a lot of anger and a lot of discontentment and a lot of it is directed towards children yeah. uh, and it, it breaks my heart um,
0: it, it breaks mine too
1: but um you know i think also in, in the spirit of so many people have overcome that it's never a reason to just pass that on yes it's never it's never an excuse yes no matter what pain or struggle has happened it's never an excuse to pass it on
0: you can always choose love yes you can and always choose as, like the buck stops here yes yeah
1: and it, and and While, you know, we speaking about this can be conscious that it's a lot harder for people for different reasons, right? Of course, yeah.
0: Um, But we
1: must do it nonetheless, yeah.
0: We must. And this is why if you can afford it, if there are resources, I just think therapy is so, so powerful. Even for the most... Well adjusted people are the people who are like, No, I got it. I picked myself up by my bootstraps. <laughs> yeah. Like, it can never hurt. Oh my god.
1: This is the therapy chapter. Is it? it's like, oh my god. No, no, <laughs> I'm sorry. She doesn't even talk about there, but I'm like, this is the it's so interesting because um as someone who's the, within the past year started therapy myself, a lot of it does look at your childhood, right? Yeah. And so, and, certain and schools how of beliefs
0: are formed about love and the yep. world around us and deserving. Yeah. And all that stuff.
1: And so she talks about it in the context of love. So Amazing. whether our homes are happy or troubled, our families Functional or dysfunctional, it's the original school of love. To a child's mind, love was that good feeling you got when family treated you like you mattered, and you treated them like you mattered. There is nothing more, uh, but there is nothing that creates more confusion about love in the minds and hearts of children than unkind or cruel punishments doled out by the grown-ups they have been taught they should love and respect. Uh, that also, on the flip side, there are masses of children who grow up confident, love is a good feeling, who are never punished, who are allowed to believe that love is only about getting their needs met, their desires satisfied. In that child's mind, love is not about what they have to give up. Love is mostly about something that's given to them. So, um, you know, different ways in loving and unloving, unfo- you know, um, kind right. and unkind families, you can sort of learn these patterns of love. So
0: does she, Does she um, like, offer some sort of prescription towards the end of the chapter about, you know, like, if you've...
1: I will say that... Um, shout out to Heather the self-driven child I think is one of the best um, uh, probably better than reading this chapter oh my god um, in terms of in terms of good parenting right um, in terms of because she gets into she just touches on her, her solution which is discipline instead of punishment um, oh wow and 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 she talks about the yearning of wanting to create self-actualized children who you you know and, and there's justice for children and I thought that um, I'm not a parent, but I—if uh, someone was looking for parenting tips, I'm not going to give them. I don't know if Bell Hooks is the most informed to give them. Right, right, I actually right. think that book of everything we've listened to is the best place to go.
0: And Sav is referring to um, an, another guest host we had, my big sister Heather, Shout out. Uh, who's a specialized teacher. Uh, the Self-Driven Child, which is one of the most profound books that I think is out there today. Mm-hmm. So that's awesome for
1: sure. Yeah. So specifically uh, on that, um, punishing versus discipline. She says, it is absolutely critical that parenting adults learn how to offer loving discipline. Setting boundaries and teaching children how to set boundaries for themselves, which I I love that, prior to misbehavior is an essential part of loving parents. Loving parents work hard to discipline without punishment. This does not mean that they never punish, only that when they do punish, they choose punishments like timeouts or taking away of privileges. They focus on teaching children how to be self-disciplining and how to take responsibilities for their actions.
0: Wow. Giving them autonomy.
1: Yeah. Cut to self-driven childhood episode.
0: Cut
1: to. <laughs> <laughs> Go listen to that. Come back. Here we are. We'll
0: see you when you get back.
1: <laughs> wow, what a revelation. Did wow, you enjoy did the you book? Love it? Great.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll wait. <laughs>
1: so um, So then she she quickly the, the last thing is she talks about just setting good examples for loving families in the media, which is is lacking and and how, you know, there used to be shows like um Leave it to Beaver. I don't know. She says other. Oh
0: yeah. Uh huh. That
1: just had like positive family interactions. Yeah. We're missing that. So yeah. she she ends this with, when we love children, we acknowledge by our every action that they are not our property, that they have rights, that we respect and uphold their rights. Uh, and she talks about it in terms of justice. Without justice, there can be no love. And that, and she applies that justice to yes. children, extends yes. it to children. So the next chapter is honesty. Um,
0: no, thanks. I prefer lies. <laughs> next.
1: <laughs> and a lie to you say, this chapter doesn't matter.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, no. Sounds
0: like it really matters.
1: It uh, it does. I, I think it, it's pretty obvious why, I mean, lying just is incongruent with love because you're not, as we've said, you have to show your true self. So if you're lying, you're not showing your true self.
0: Yeah. You're like um, robbing yourself of a chance to actually be accepted. Yeah.
1: And uh. I think she, she doesn't quite actually make the distinction because I think there are There's um, honesty and vulnerability, and she kind of uh, mixes them together. I think honesty is in the face of, like, guilt, right? You're like, oh, oh, the guilt versus shame. We talked about this on the show previously. Uh So honesty, I think, is, like, um, overcoming guilt, right? Something that you did that you feel bad about. Yep. Versus I think vulnerability maybe is overcoming shame, right? Right. Where it's uh, like...
0: Yeah, the difference between guilt and shame. Guilt is, I have done something bad. Shame mm-hmm. is, I am bad. Right, exactly.
1: Yeah. And so I think that um I, I kind of view um, honesty as overcoming guilt, that you've done bad things and you can't share that. Yeah. So you need to do that in a relationship. And then... um vulnerability is that overcoming of shame, right? Of these parts that you feel embarrassed about yourself yeah. that you share. Yes. Um, and I don't I don't know. So I want to make that distinction because I think it uh, is helpful sure. um, in the two ways that we can be honest with partners. But um, what she says is, uh, she actually astutely talks about um, the messages being given to men and women. And the message being given to males is that to be honest is to be soft. And this is where I think vulnerable would have been a better yes, word choice. Yes, yeah. Um, the ability to be dishonest and indifferent to the consequences makes a male hard, separates men from the boys. Masculine identity is offered to men as the ideal in patriarchal culture and requires all men to invest and invent a false self.
0: Oh, man. From the
1: moment little boys are taught they should not cry or express hurt, feelings of loneliness or pain, they must be tough. They are learning how to master true feelings. And by
0: master feelings, it sounds like hide them, cover them up.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because um, true mastery of your feelings would be allowing yourself to cry, sitting in yeah, it. Yeah. You exactly. know what I mean? Like being present with whatever right. is there.
1: And I love how she talks about these as learned traits, right? These yes. are these are the messages being given to us.
0: And they are. They are. They are. They are. For sure. I've. Wa- I used to work as a um, kids party princess. Oh yeah. Oh, I love I I that period of your life it's such <laughs> I a wasn't even there. weird period of my <laughs> life I was Cinderella I was a party hostess for this company um, in the valley and I would literally watch little girls be taught to be dainty right. and sweet and not roll around on the floor and get dirty yeah. and then I would watch little boys who showed up and they're like three and they're like I want to put on a princess dress it's so pretty right. and their parents be like no put on a pirate thing mm-hmm. don't cry Sit you know what I mean like yes. don't put on lipstick and i was literally watching that be taught right, right. in the moment
1: yep and so, My so i god I, yeah and um and and i think that it only gets hardened to us as we grow older and older right yes those those messages add up because
0: um, we don't know when we're little how to say why or i reject that or right. like, that's not how it works we just go oh this must be how it works and we just take it all on
1: yes so I think that um, she does astutely talk about how men, and she uses honesty, but I think vulnerability is the right word here, are just right. taught that vulnerability is softness uh, and that it's just not something that they should be. Wow. Um, and so when we learned to use language as boys, this was um, a quote by Victor Seidler in his book, Rediscovering Masculinity. When we learn to use language as boys, we very quickly learn how to conceal ourselves through language. We learn to master language so that we can control the world around us. Even though we learn to blame others for unhappiness and uh, misery in our relationships, we also know at some unspoken level how our masculinity has been limited and injured as we touch the hurt and pain of realizing how little we seem to feel about anything.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Um, that breaks my heart. Yeah, it does. And, and, um Uh, as a a man with many feelings and a very sensitive heart, uh, I definitely can relate to, like, that's incongruent with what I was taught, right? Yes. Um, So I do feel that. um,
0: And it must take such bravery and overcoming of terror to let yourself feel things or show that you feel things when you've yeah. been taught that your whole life. Or
1: maybe some people never do that. And that can create huge problems later when in their love lives. Yeah. You
0: know? Well, and then they die. And then what can you say about your life's experience?
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Um, oh,
0: my God. Like, did you ever truly connect to another person? Exactly. Or yourself. Or yourself. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, You guys, this is a comedy podcast. Are you having fun? (laughs) Love
1: it. If you just laugh, (laughs) is it funny? (laughs) Anyway, love and
0: death. Let's do this.
1: Um, So, But uh, this is one of the reasons men, more so than women, use lying as a means of gaining power in relationships. A commonly accepted assumption in a patriarchal culture is that love can be present in situations where one group or individual dominates the other. Many people still believe men can dominate women and children yet still be loving. Um, psychoanalyst Carl Jung insightfully emphasizes where there's a will to power, the paramount love will be lacking.
0: Whoa!
1: Which is so true.
0: Holy shit!
1: So it's it's really she's calling on men or or women who might have been hardened by you know not showing their true selves or believing that lying is a way to just like protect themselves that right. It just—it's not—it doesn't have a place in love.
0: Yeah, it's antithetical. It's antithetical, right? To right. Love.
1: So then, on the contrary, she says, um, since the values and behavior of men are usually the standards by which everyone in our culture determines what is success acceptable, it's important to understand that condoning lying is an essential component of our patriarchal thinking for everyone. Women who embrace patriarchal femininity. The insistence that females should act as though they are weak, incapable of rational thought, dumb, silly, or too socialized to wear a mask to lie. They lie about their true selves, right? They're lying because oh we're all so much holier. We're almost so God. much fuller than
0: that. Oh, my God. So, huh yeah. Some naps.
1: Women are often comfortable lying to men. And this is, again, not, not all women. But women can be comfortable lying to men in order to manip- manipulate them to give them the feelings they want or deserve. Yep, We may lie to bolster a male's self-esteem. These lies n- may take the form of pretending to feel emotions we do not feel to be pretending. Yes. Fake orgasm.
0: <laughs> that, but even like when... S- Someone comes home and they're like, "This thing happened at work," and are and I'm so mad about it. Like, you know, I might be thinking, "Well, you're at fault," and that's dumb, and you should go apologize. But instead, I might go, "Oh, yeah, that sounds really hard." Da 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 da. You know,
1: instead of having that critical conversation to enhance their spiritual growth.
0: Yes, and what's interesting though is it's because a lot of times it can feel like the traditionally heteronormative. Male ego is very fragile, so if any criticism comes in, they'll lose their shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. So it's mm-hmm. interesting that them pretending and us pretending is actually making us all walk on eggshells. Yes. To try and keep these very delicate identity structures in place. Yeah, yeah. And it's not serving anybody.
1: Right. When really they're all just these taut things that then warp our sense of self. Thank and you. Cut us off from being all individually whole. God. <laughs> and then how do we g- meet each other in the middle? You know, whether a heterosexual, a queer couple, whatever, how do we, when we when we, block off these other parts of ourselves to fit into these taught notions of who we should be, how do we then connect as our true selves?
0: And it's also terrifying when your identity in any way is threatened, whether mm-hmm. that's manufactured or not. Yes. And I think people then get angry because they get scared. For
1: sure. And she oh gets into that fear. So just ending this chapter, the wounded child inside many males is a boy who, when he first spoke his truths, was silenced by paternal sadism, by a patriarchal world that did not want him to claim his true feelings. The wounded child inside many females is a girl who was taught from early childhood on that she must become something other than herself, deny her true feelings in order to attract and please others. When men men and women punish each other for the truth-telling, we reinforce the notion that lies are better.
0: Oh, my God. So, yeah. This feels like the ultimate cliffhanger to end Ooh. this first part on. Okay. Holy shit. Yeah. You guys, are you feeling good? <laughs> Valentine's Day coming up. Are you a reexamining your identity and your true self and the true self <laughs> From of the your bottom partner? Up. <laughs> yeah. Is this resonating with anyone? Is anyone going like, oh, my God, I need to get divorced? Um, I've had those moments.
1: <laughs> for, for those of you who feel that way, don't worry. There's something coming in the next part that will— Uh, If you're actually in a marriage where spiritual growth is possible, we'll we'll save you.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. Thank you for that. Um, This, wow, I've got a lot to think about. I'm so curious, um, for those of you who are listening, how is this resonating so far? Are you like, fuck this, this is bullshit? Yeah, which is totally cool. Yeah, or are you thinking like, oh, my God, I've never thought of it that way? Because, like, here I am just sort of like— my shoulders are up towards my neck, my stomach's kind of tight, and I'm going like, what are the ways that I've reinforced these systems? And also, am I still doing this? right? right. How can I be more vulnerable and it's all fucking terrifying. Yeah, I feel terrified. Well, how do you feel?
1: Uh, I feel excited for the second half of this.
0: <laughs> okay everybody stay tuned for the second half of the book and that's also when we'll ask all of those um thoughtful questions at the end like did this book need to be written stay tuned and until next time life Life is is abundant. abundant